Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Hey, Craig. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready for some nerd ball? All right. So I have... I've started this tradition, and it's probably my least favorite tradition I've started, but I went all out this week, and I this is the most lines of anything I've written, so <clears throat> apologies uh, to everyone, but I've got spreadsheets on my laptop, my favorite stat defensive rebounding percentage, I've got Ken Pomeroy, I've got Jordan Sperber waiting there for me, yes I do, yes I do. In Pullman, we have a nerd who cares about analytics, yeah. Okay, there we go. <laughs> was it, did, did you know what, what song that was? Or did I butcher it enough that it was, no. wasn't apparent? Okay. It's that Weezer song. Yeah. It is a Weezer song. Thank you, Kyle. Oh, Spoiled the surprise. Spoiled um, the surprise. All right. Welcome, everyone, to episode something. 11, 11. Of Podcast versus Everyone. Uh, normally, this would have been an emergency episode, but it hit right when we were going to schedule anyway. Um, so with me, as always, is Jeff Neusser. And a very special guest tonight is uh, we've robbed him, taken him away from Cougar Football Saturday cast. Of course, they weren't doing anything anyway. Um, Kyle Sherwood. Hey guys, I feel like you guys have been uh, sitting in this nice hot tub for like for like four months, and I'm like gonna come over here, and when I sit down, the whole thing's gonna overflow, and it's gonna be really gross. But let's let's hope it feels good too. Yeah, right. yeah. Have we do, been doing this for four months? Jeez. I don't kind know. Of, it's almost three. You guys are getting pruny. I know. Yeah. Just little. <laughs> All right, so, um, yeah, the reason we have Kyle on, the reason why we're a little excited, the reason why I sang that ridiculous song, um, WSU has its basketball coach, and his name is Kyle Smith. Uh, that's the main reason we bought, brought Kyle on, because he has the same initials. We all and, know each other. Yep, every Kyle S knows every Kyle S, um, so we're looking for special insight. Uh, but um, this was... a uh, Obviously, uh, Clay Thompson's choice of coach. And I think we've all had the, uh, what, four hours to absorb the information. And I think we might all be as excited about Clay about this. What are you thinking, Jeff? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. Um, should we do the beer first before we get into too much coach oh, talk? Oh, shit. Yeah, I was so excited. You were so coach. excited. We were just going right. to skip right to the coach talk. All right. Well, Fine. We'll talk about beer. What, what, what do we, uh... If I twist your arm, right? Kyle, are you drinking something? Yeah, I mean, I'm not much of a beer drinker during the uh, during the fall and the spring. Like you guys know me, I, I I'm more of a. Uh, it's got to be like real hot out to, to drink a beer. I'm I'm a very much a summer guy, and the other the other nine months out of the year, I, I'm more or less drinking brown liquor. So uh, tonight, I I I, uh, I brought out the Basil Hayden, and uh, and yeah. Made myself a little old fashioned here, but uh, I brought the bottle downstairs with me, so I'll just keep filling it up with straight bourbon once I'm done with this. And how would you rate that old fashioned out of five 
um, nerdy ass coaches. Well, here's here's how here's how I would label it. It's it's a it's a mid level it's a mid level bourbon that can actually uh, that can perform as well as the uh, as a lot of the top the top tier bourbons that you're going to see on the top of your shelves. So I I think that uh, I think it's it's a bourbon that outperforms uh, out, outperforms its price range. So uh, I, I think I think it's very fitting for this evening. Ah, very good. All right, Jeff, what are you drinking? So tonight I'm drinking a slow turbo double IPA from Hoofhearted Brewing. Hoofhearted, hoof, hoofhearted. Um, yeah. Right. Longtime listeners will That's understand right. that. Right? <laughs> Longtime listeners from like three weeks ago will remember that. Um, yeah. So slow turbo double IPA, uh, and I'm thinking, you know, slow turbo is the. Uh, is kind of what I'm hoping our offense will be like. I know Kyle Smith likes to play kind of slow, so I'm thinking slow but like turbocharged, kind of like uh, Tony Bennett's team. So, so that's what I'm hoping for is a little slow turbo action on the offense. Cool. And what do you think of that beer? Well, I just poured it, so hold on. Oh, come on, you sir. We don't have time for this. Sure you do. We got all night. All right. Uh, yeah, okay, that's – uh. It's really good, and uh, I give it like four and a quarter new coaches. What do we call it? What, what was the? I don't even remember what the rating system was. It doesn't it was. matter. It Whatever. Really, honestly, it does not. That matter. was really good though. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, celebratory beer. Yeah, I have I have three beers stacked up over here. Um, two. One is my sidecar beer that I always crack later, but. So I actually I, I had a beer planned all week. Uh, it's a little bit of a downer. I'll go into that one first, and then I'll get into um, the beer that I got special for um, the hiring of Kyle Kyle Smith. Um, so uh, this week, uh, uh, kind of a, a very important uh, kind of legend of the Seattle beer scene and the West Coast beer scene, like suddenly died at the age of 45. Matt Bonney. Um, he uh, is well known for starting being a co-founder of uh, Bottleworks. Uh, it's a, one of the it's the first like beer only shop um, in Seattle. Uh, opened in 1999, and um, he brought a lot of Belgian beers in. And when there wasn't a lot of U.S. craft beer to be drinking, and then he uh, helped uh, found uh, Brower's Cafe. Uh, which is a Belgian beer bar that's been in Seattle uh, for since 2006, I believe. Um, so really, he was he started a lot of things, and he's been really influential um, throughout uh, the West Coast, uh, working with breweries and everything. Um, he also, um, the last thing he did was open uh, Toronado in Seattle, which is um, a famous beer bar. Uh, in San Francisco and San Diego, and then so he started a Seattle one, um, and so uh, he's just really influential. I, I had a chance to meet him once or twice at his bar, um, one time at a, a dinner for a beer called Three Mats, which was made with um, Fremont Brewing. Uh, the uh, owner of Fremont Brewing is also named Matt, and then the lead barrel program guy is named Matt, and so there's with Matt Bonney, there was Three Mats. So he was just a great guy, and, and everything I've heard about him was great. Uh, so it was a big loss, so uh, cheers to him. I am drinking uh, Bottleworks, uh, 17th anniversary, um, made by Crooked Stave, which is a brewery out of Colorado. 
Um, it's a golden sour ale. It's very nice. I'm drinking it out of a Brower's 12th anniversary glass. Uh, so I'm also very on brand there. Um, okay, so uh, this beer is very good. It is three years old because I just I just got the 20th anniversary Bottle Works beer, but it tastes really nice. Uh, balanced acidity. It's not burning my esophagus. Um, it's very good. Um, a lot going on. I really enjoy it. Um, so I'll give it uh, five uh, new Kyle Smiths out of five Kyle Smiths. And the other beer I have is from, so uh, we're excited about Nerdball. So I dug in in my cellar to find uh, one of the nerdiest beers I have. Um, the nerdiest brewery that I know of is Bottle Logic in Anaheim. Um, Jeff, I know you've been there. Um, all a lot of their stuff is based on video games and or uh, Dungeons and Dragons or uh, science topics and math and like so they call their barrel aging program the Stasis Project. Um, so there's just a lot of nerdy shit. This is one of their level one beers um, that when they do the beer the first time they call it level one. Um, it is an imperial. Uh, red ale, which is an odd style to make, um, aged in, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know, Kyle, if you've heard of this uh, bourbon, um, Michter bourbon. Have you no, heard of that? Michter? How do you, pre- how do you yeah. spell that? M-I-C-H-T-E-R. No, I don't. Yeah, so it's it's aged in uh, those, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> weird, kind of weird for um, them to call out the name of the uh, bourbon straight on the barrel uh, on the bottle. You usually have to get permission for that, so that's interesting. Um, and then it, they, it's aged on cassia bark, um, and uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, so normally I I wouldn't be down with throwing a beer like this into a barrel when you could just throw a stout or a barley wine, but actually this is definitely right in on that barley wine area. Like it is very deep dark brown. Um, the cassia bark gives it this nice kind of spice. Like, it's working very well. Um, it's way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I picked this up randomly. I think I was in San Diego or something, and and they had it on the shelf. And I was like, ooh, a bottle logic barrel H beer, because their barrel H program is pretty famous. So, um, And so I've had this for, I don't know, a year, year and a half or so. I'm just sitting there waiting for tonight for our nerdy coach. Um, so I'll give it four and a half out of him. Or if we're just going integers, I'll go four. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's what we're drinking. I have a lot to drink, so the end of this podcast should be a, fun, a lot of fun. Um, I say the first time I heard you say uh, – uh, refer to one of your beers as a sidecar on this podcast. By the way, big fan of the podcast, but guys. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the, the first time I heard you say that you had a sidecar, I, I legitimately thought that you uh, referred, you were referring to the uh, Sierra Nevada sidecar beer. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, saw that at the, I saw that at the gas station like two weeks ago, and I legitimately, I, like I said, I'm not much of a beer drinker, and I and I picked it up, and I and, – uh, it's been kind of a long running joke that literally every beer I buy, I send a picture to Craig just like to make sure that yeah. I'm not buying something super dorky. Yeah. And, uh, but, but this one I saw, I saw in the gas station. I was like, Oh my God, Craig likes gas station beer. And I, I, literally, <laughs> I, I, picked, up a, I picked up a six pack of Sierra Nevada sidecar. It was not great, but I, I 
definitely drank all six of them. And I questioned your judgment for like about four days before I realized <laughs> what you were actually talking about. Okay. Uh, so, so a funny quick story about gas station beer. Oh yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so the first time I had uh bottle logic beer, like Craig was talking about was um, we took a family vacation to, to Disneyland and uh, the, the brewery is literally, you know, two miles from Disneyland. And so, um, you know, convinced my wife that we needed to stop by there one night. And um, one of their, you know, like their, their sort of uh, one of their barrel aged beers is dark star November. That's what I had that night. And so I was at my, you know, went back to the hotel, went across the street. There was like this, like, so in California, they've got, like liquor store slash convenience store slash ice cream store slash whatever else, like all in the same place. Right. Yeah, you and can so sell booze I, anywhere in California. Yeah. And anyway. so I go, I go across the street to this. Her California knows how to party. Y- yeah. So <laughs> I go across the street from our hotel to this place to get some late night ice cream for my wife. And I see they've got a selection of, of, you know, beer bottles. And I'm like, okay. So I start looking and then I see they've got some bottle logic bottles and I'm like, okay. So I like take a picture and send to Craig and like, Craig, you, you know, you want any of this? And he's like, they've got just like bottle logic bottles, just hanging out in this like liquor's convenience store. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, okay, so grab me one. So, so I grab him one of those. I grab one for me, take it up to the counter. Guy rings it up. And he goes, that'll be sixty-five thirty-eight. For how many beers? <laughs> Two. Damn. Yeah, I and remember. Like, I went. I went. I was like, oh shit, Jeff. By the way, those beers are really expensive. <laughs> I know. And so I'm like, I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm on vacation. Who cares? You know. So I'm like, so I just, you know, I ride home. Right. And so like they were, uh, yeah, they were packed very neatly and very nicely. I, th- I think I wrapped them in, you know, two pairs of socks and you burn, you burn the receipt before you got back to the hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. I made <laughs> sure that no. And if Sarah's listening to this, I definitely did not do that, but uh, yeah, that was, so that was, so the running joke, which is jokes for the this, show, baby. This was, <laughs> this was our, uh, the, the magical, the magic, what do we call it? The magic liquor store, or the magic convenience store or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was yeah. So Bottle Logic, yeah. You go to if your family drags you along to Disneyland, make sure to go to Bottle Logic. They're uh, it's super yummy. And in fact, the bottle that I bought there, and this is a year and a half later now, I still have it. It's still hanging out, and I haven't drank it yet. I keep waiting for a time when Craig and I are hanging out and we can properly enjoy it. Maybe spring. Hey. Game. Maybe I'll bring it to the spring game. Ooh, there you go. It is. It does have purple on the label. Purple and gold. Yeah, though. that's true. So. Yeah. Disneyland's going to be uh, serving beer in the new Star Wars land, and those will probably uh-huh. also cost thirty dollars per glass. So, yeah. and actually, Bottle Logic is brewing that beer. Really? They brew. They brew a ton of beer for uh, for California Adventure. So, whatever their their flagship IPA. I don't know. Hold on just a sec. I can tell you. Recursion. Recursion's their flagship IPA, and that's that's like all over California Adventure. And and if you get into that uh, fancy uh, that fancy restaurant. That's in Disneyland. I, I don't remember what it's called. Club 33? Yeah, yeah Club, Club 33. 33. Yeah. They have a bunch of like really fancy beer, and including a bunch of the high-end bear bottle. Like If you look at the untapped check-ins at Club 33, it's just all this like crazy beer that even some of it I've never even drank. So like the, um, I've, that's the only reason I've ever wanted to go into that. We got our picture taken next to the entrance of Club 33 just because we were so proud that we found it. 
<laughs> Sarah, my wife is determined to get into Club 33 someday. I'm like, okay, sure. Why not? Yeah. Sounds we're like down fun. In, uh, we're down in Disney World la 2017, Christmas 2017, so a little over a year ago, and we we're in the Animal Kingdom where they have the Avatar Land, and uh, they have a there was a uh, like in one of the restaurants, like they have like their their local craft brewery, like has like seven or eight different. It's probably the same type of thing. It has like seven or eight different types of beer that uh, that uh, that they brew specifically for this Avatar Land. And and I ordered one of the IPAs, and the lady looked at me. She's like, "Just so you know, it's gonna look weird." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, that's you know, I I'm I'm here with two children, and I I haven't had a beer in three days, so you know, whatever you can give me is gonna be fantastic." And so I uh, I I get it, I get it, and they uh, it's bright green. It looked like uh, it looked like ectoplasm from the Ghostbusters type thing, but it tasted exactly like like your uh, your standard like Georgetown IPA. It was, but it was it was bright green. <laughs> it was bright green. <laughs> Nuts. That would be uh, yeah. so weird. Yeah, <laughs> it looked that like would... I was drinking like a giant like a like a, a Slurpee or a milkshake or something. It was crazy. Yeah, that was, was it. Was good. Throw off. Just throw off your flavor because yeah. I mean, it I wasn't. I, it wasn't St. Patrick's Day green. Like it legitimately looked like, uh, like, like Slimer from the Ghostbusters. Yeah, I can't remember what beer that is, but I've seen pictures of it um, uh, that people have taken, and it looks like, yeah, exactly like you said, ectoplasm. Like it's, it, I, 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 I'm amazed that you could still pick it up, like, because the way you look at a beer can just have such an impact on what you oh, think it's going to sure. taste like. No like doubt. I, said, I had I, I was carting two toddlers around Disney World for for three days and hadn't had any alcohol, so literally any port in a storm at that point, you could have given me a glass of bleach and I would have put it down. <laughs> Speaking well, of taking... glasses of bleach, we don't have to drink bleach anymore because we are now free of Ernie and moving on to a Kyle, which is going to be a winner no matter what, right? I'm looking forward to it. Man, yeah, I, I just. Uh... Obviously, um, uh, multiple reports that he's coming, and so I think and it's safe to say it's happening. And and I, we, uh, if you haven't, if you have a subscription to the uh, to the Athletic, um, I highly recommend you read an article called "Nerdball is Ushering in a New Era at Resurgent San Francisco," um, which will just kind of. Uh, Jeff and I talk about a lot of numbers on here that come from Ken Palm and everything, but this, the stuff they're doing just goes above and beyond anything that we ever talk about. And they, and it it talks about how he started out with, um, with Randy Bennett and they they kind of, uh, were just Ken Palm nerds and they kind of moved into just instituting more and more statistics like where they're 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 having an ant they have stats around ball screen coverage and they find out that their five eleven guard is getting pushed aside on pick and rolls and so they just based on that shifted him off the ball in those situations that's crazy like I I just can't even imagine like in in the Ernie Ken era anything like that any anything high even close to that high minded ever happening. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think if there's one thing we could be 100%, I mean, we were confident about a lot of things with Ernie Kent, but there is nothing I would be more confident in 
than the fact that Ernie would not even know that the word analytics is actually a word. Or at the very least, if he did, he's like, you know, what is that fancy? I just, I go with my eyes, you know, I mean, whatever it is like, you know, it's, uh, it's obviously a huge departure. And I think that's, you know, you, you don't have to look very hard at numbers. So like you said, Craig, you know, we talk about numbers a lot. Um, and, and one of the things that we do a lot is we look at um, the statistical profiles that are on KenPalm.com. And um, a lot of times what we do is we kind of look for trends. We look for um, consistencies. So like when we're looking at a coach, you know, what are the areas that they are strong in, you know, year after year after year, when the players change, the, when the teams they're playing change, you know, when everything else is changing, what's the stuff that's constant. And, you know, it's, it's it, a lot of times pretty easy to tell who are the guys who are paying attention to what sort of produces the greatest value in terms of creating points and not creating points, right. Offensive and defensively. And, you know, when you looked at Ernie's stuff, it was, it was really clear this, you know, this is a guy who, who had a, you know, concept in his head of, of how to play. And, you know, there were a number of things that he did not emphasize that are, are pretty directly tied to point production, you know, for a guy with, with such an offensive reputation, um, you know, he really emphasized shooting, which is good, right? I mean, putting the ball in the basket's the most important thing, but really de-emphasized offensive rebounding really didn't seem to care too much about turnovers. And those two things really, you know, neuter your offensive efficiency, even if you're shooting well. So, you know, it's just kind of obvious he wasn't paying it. They just wasn't interested in that, which again, you know, most coaches aren't, um, especially coaches that are, you know, 60 plus. So here you got a guy who's, who's 49, who, um, has sort of worked at a number of places where you had to do it differently or do it, uh, do it, you know, better, um, than other people. You know, he's, he was started out at the, at the university of San Diego, you know, West coast conference guy, uh, spent a year at air force with Joe Scott doing the Princeton thing out there. Um, spent a bunch of years under Randy Bennett at, uh, St. Mary's, you know, before heading out to Columbia in the Ivy league again, you know, Columbia has not ever been known as, um, as an Ivy league power. And then coming back out to San Francisco, which has been, you know, frankly, pretty bad, um, you know, for the last, you know, 20 or so years and, um, has been better than everybody else that's been there in recent history by doing what he does. So, um, you know, he kind of checks all the boxes in terms of a guy that we're looking for that, um, is looking for an edge in some way. And it's kind of exactly what you and I have been advocating for, which is, you know, you need to do something different at Wazoo. You need to, whether it's Tony Bennett and, and Dick Bennett, you know, that's a different thing. Obviously I don't, you know, I don't think they, I don't think Dick Bennett's ever paid attention to an analytics report, um, but you know, you better know what you want to do and you better have an edge, um, against the other teams that, that, that have maybe more traditional advantages. And, uh, so far what I've seen from the guy, especially, you know, if you read that athletic piece that Craig referenced, um, really makes you think that, you know, this is a guy who, you know, I mean, I don't know if he'll be successful, but what I do know is his process sounds a hell of a lot better than Ernie's. There's something very refreshing about a just an absolutely relentless commitment to math. Uh, it, it like like what you said. It, it sounds like everything that uh, everything that Ernie did. Like I'm pretty sure the three of us who don't know that much about basketball, like or as much as you know a college coach should, could probably pick up what Ernie runs in a practice within what maybe maybe a half an hour, just because like he's not really running anything different than 
you know what you would see like at a high school or anything like that it's just it's just a, it's just with more talent and like you read that athletic article where they're talking about literally someone is is watching all 10 players uh on both sides of the ball literally on every single play and they keep stats off ball on ball literally in practice so they can make sure that they have the best they have the best configurations to go uh come game time and then they start uh working working game time stats in uh slowly and afterwards like it it literally sounds like a ken palm experiment on the court it and i'm i'm thrilled to be part of it this is gonna be a lot of fun yeah, it's it's uh, I you, you just look at his uh, profile in three years at San Francisco that uh, there one first I have to point out that uh, when we were uh, drinking and celebrating on the Ernie pod, the Ernie, I call it the Ernie pod, but the, the uh, emergency Ernie got fired podcast, um, I uh, was reminded by someone that I I just said, I just want a fucking nerd. And we definitely got a fucking nerd. Like it's it like it's a nerd to the core. If you it, if you read that athletic article, it's just like this is some weird. This is some crazy shit that I didn't even know that teams did honestly. And and um, but there's a few things that just stick out to me and uh, the things that get you. You know that 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 things that can transition from a small conference to a big conference. And that's defensive rebounding. Um, he clearly is committed to that. Uh, they rate very well in that. Um, and then they limit the number of three-point attempts, period, uh, which um, that keeps you out of that three-point lottery. Um, that's usually teams that limit three-point attempts also are good at defending three-pointers. Those usually go together. Um, so yeah, as more teams are shooting more threes, that's a that's a great thing to have, and you're clearing out the rebounds on the misses. Um, those are uh, the, they've just done a good job shooting wise. Obviously they don't force turnovers. I mean, it, it's very, um, you know, packish, uh, defensive profile. Obviously I don't know what defense he runs, but obviously it's man to man. And, uh, uh, he doesn't rely on blocks. He doesn't rely on steals. The defenses have been pretty good this year, um, was the worst defense he's had, but also the best offense. Um, and they really limited turnovers more this year, shot the ball a little better. So um, I'm curious to see it. One, one thing that excites me is he seems to be a coach that will be willing to adapt. And and he'll be he'll be willing. He's 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 got some principles, obviously, but um, he's he's looking at numbers and, and he's willing to adapt. And maybe that's why his defense has stayed. You know, you, you have the same peripherals, but now his offense has improved. So. Maybe maybe we'll see things like that at WSU. It's not just going to be like the same old shit every night over and over again that doesn't work. Like you can believe that he might actually figure something out once in a while. One of the things that I love to see in a coach is when there's like this synergy between their defensive and offensive philosophies. And, and kind of what I mean by that is, okay, so if you value one thing on one end – you know, then you probably should be valuing the same thing on the other end, right? So something like, you know, like, uh, you know, for example, three-point shooting, right? So his three-point, you know, on, on offense, they shoot a lot of threes. And that's something that um, that they've just have done. They A little bit less this year, but for the previous, you know, the five, six years before that, they shot a pretty high percentage of threes as a ratio of their overall 
field goal attempts. Well, then on defense, though, so so if on offense you think, and this this was always sort of like the thing with Ernie that always blew my mind, it's like, okay, so if on offense you feel like the three-point shot is your best weapon, right? Like this is your shot, this is your thing that is, that, that is you know, that, that's so valuable that you're going to win games this way. Well, if you're on defense, why would you let the other team also shoot a million threes, right? Like, why wouldn't you gear your defense to stop that? And that's what Kyle Smith does. His defense um, over the years has suppressed three-point attempts, except for, like, his last year at Columbia. The opponents took a ton of threes. But other than that, you know, he's never, in his career, outside of that one season, has never ranked below 55th in three point attempt percentage, which is just the ratio of three pointers to field goal attempts. So, you know, it's like, if you're, if you're doing it on one end, you know, you should do it on the other. And and so it's, to me that that says a lot about the messaging you're sending your team right which is hey this is what we do you know we're going to shoot threes yeah and because it's such a weapon for us we're going to make sure the other team doesn't go off from three-point range and that kind of thing just sort of you know if it makes sense to me you know i assume it makes sense to a player you know where it's like if you're trying to communicate that to a player and, and that's what i see in that that stuff we're t- i know we're talking about this story from the athletic a lot part of it because you know it's kind of all we have to go on at the moment but you know one thing i take away from that is that so when they watch the video of practice and they score things up so one of the things they do is they score like this they go okay so if if you make an assist in practice you get plus 4 points for for you as a as a person um, if you make a turnover you get minus 6 so it's like these two things are not equal, right? So like if you're if you're making a pass in practice and you know that you're going to be held accountable to the result of that pass, okay, great, an assist is nice, but a turnover is worse. And and the and the math bears that out, right? Any any possession that ends in a turnover is just a zero. I mean, there's no chance of a positive outcome. And if it's an a live ball turnover, that's even worse, right? Because it goes back the other way. So I'm like, yeah, like this is how you send the message to your team. This is what we value. This is what's important. And just from looking at these kinds of things and kind of hearing these kinds of things, um, he seems like a guy who's really good at messaging um, what's important to him, to his players. And, and to me, you know, that is such a difference from, from, and I know we're going to probably keep comparing to what we had before, but that is such a difference. And, and to me as a coach, you know, that's, that's the thing that every coach should, should sort of be measured on is, you know, how well do you communicate to your team what you want out of them and how well do they do that? Stack ranking players on every, uh, after every practice. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's the Microsoft way. All all, all of a sudden, <laughs> can you ima- Do you imagine like yeah. this little leaderboard in the in the locker room with like like a point total, and you come in and there you are. Who's at the top? Dude, how do you get? That's a great. Like honestly, though, how do you get kids to practice hard? We can make every practice a competition. Every like that. I mean, it, there's different ways to do it. You know, some coaches resort to yelling at them and telling them to. F- fix it and but if you're just like well we know because we've been staring we had one guy staring at you the whole time and he 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 gave you you had eight points less than than uh, the other guy um that's you know that's it's very interesting it's obviously pretty innovative um and it's great um another thing i wanted to look at with uh with him is his recruiting because i know we've talked about uh, a lot of how it's uh, obviously it's no secret that it's tough to get players to come to Pullman. 
Um, so you have to be creative. Um, I, you know, typically our good coaches have been creative and, um, it looks like that they, there's players on, on, uh, his roster from Belarus, from Estonia, from Tacoma, from Helsinki, uh, Melbourne, Australia, and um, Seattle, and Seattle. He yeah, has for, as many. He has as many recruits from Seattle as Ernie ever had. It's via Central Washington, so that's interesting, true. But that's true. Um, actually, the uh, the kid from Tacoma apparently went to Rainier Beach, so I don't know what's going on there, but. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's what happens. That's how yeah. it that's how it works. That's how it works in Washington. If you can play, you go to Beach or Garfield. You taking my kids from Tacoma? That's right. From from, from the rich, the rich now that you're, land. Now that you're official two five three. Yeah, I'm I'm all over Tacoma now. But yeah, so you, it, hey Kyle, how would you feel if someone took your kids from the four two five? I mean, I I still I still claim Bellingham, so yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. The three six zero. Yeah, I, I I hate Linden and Ferndale way more than I hate anybody around here, so we're we're good. <laughs> I don't know if I can even name the high schools in Tacoma. My my daughter is uh, I've lived here for a year and a half and my daughter is um ready for 15, high school. Ready 15 months old, so. She probably uh, go to Foss. I, uh, the, the the one I know, well, the one actually I lied. The, the one that's closest is Wilson, but we are right on the border of Stadium. Um yeah. and and obviously we would love to have her go to the 10 things I hate about you school. So yeah, you can't go wrong there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, recruiting. Um, just going deep into Tacoma. Uh, it's a tough place. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so obviously Helsinki and like Finland, Belarus, you know, the classic basketball just right? havens. Um, obviously, Australia is a place that um, WSU has tapped to great success in the past. Um, so... I don't know. I just keep piling on the good stuff. Like he, you know, obviously he's, he's not just going to try to go after the same recruiting pool that everyone else is doing. Kyle, are you sold on the idea that, you know, you need to be able to recruit internationally. You need to be able to, um, you know, kind of, kind of look for these like little, you know, cracks around the globe to try and supplement talent here. Are, are you buying the idea that he can use his analytics advantage to, you know, land Pac-12 recruits? I mean, that's it's one thing to do that at Columbia and San Francisco. I think it's another thing to do it in the Pac-12. I think it certainly helps. I mean, anything you can do to to uh, widen widen your base. Uh, I mean, you see so you see some of these smaller schools that uh, just have a. Uh, a proven track record of just getting a whole bunch of guys that are six foot nine and uh, and hoping that uh, things work out for the best and sometimes they do. Uh, but yeah, as far as I, I would hope that uh, that this is a positive. I mean, he, if he worked for Randy Bennett, who it sounds like he had a hand in uh, or he was at least around when they uh, when they picked up Patty Mills and uh, what was the other guy that was at St. Mary's that Delavadova, yeah, yeah, Matthew Delavadova, yeah. So it sounds like he was he was in on that. So I mean, if he's got uh, if he's got a Rolodex, do people still have Rolodexes? In 2019, Ernie Kent probably does. I feel like a I feel like a coach has a Rolodex. <laughs> Coaches, you know. They, yeah. They don't yeah, that seems like a very coach. Cell thing. phones. Yeah, I mean, it certainly helps to, uh, to I mean, to be able to uh, call anywhere in the in, in the uh, in the world. And it sounds like, I mean, our you know, WSU's recruiting budget isn't uh, isn't what Kentucky's is, but I mean, it's certainly probably higher than what USF's is. And so, I mean, 
so I, I would say that you, you take what he has now and, and it amplifies it a little bit. And so I think I, 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 I would hope that uh, with the way that his system works that, uh, yeah, there shouldn't be any, uh, any sort of limitations on what, what he should be able to uh, find. I would love to see the Australia thing get started up again. I don't know if, uh, you know, I, I don't know what he's planning on doing with his assistants. Um, I think there there was a report out there sort of right away that one of his assistants would be expected to take over at San Francisco, um, you know, presuming he's hired here. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to me to see, you know, where he goes with that. Like I said, it's it's one thing to you know, recruit to Columbia. It's one thing to recruit to San Francisco. Um, and you can be better than most of the teams in your league. Um, in both of those leagues in both the IV and the WCC, you can be better than the vast majority of the teams in that league just by, you know, doing a little bit better, um, recruiting wise, you know, you don't necessarily have to have great athletes. You don't necessarily have to, you know, cover all that, you know, Columbia, you know, if you're, if you're Columbia in the Ivy league, you know, Yale's got some pretty okay athletes. Harvard's got some pretty okay athletes. Um, but, you know, if you're trying to separate yourselves from, you know, from Penn uh, or Brown, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't take a whole lot to to do that. And then, you know, San Francisco, same deal. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, you've got St. Mary's and, and Gonzaga, and, and obviously that's tough. And, you know, and then you got to compete with BYU's, you know, 26-year-olds. But, you know, to, to separate yourself from some of the other teams in that conference, you know, you know, your San Diego's or whatever, or Loyola's, it, it's like, you know, you don't, you know, you just sort of have to find an edge in order to do that. And it's not, doesn't have to be, um, you know, a huge athletic edge. Um, Pac-12 sort of a different animal in that regard. And, and I know that we've obviously seen that you can, you can do it with overlooked guys. I mean, obviously our greatest run in program history, you know, happened with, with guys that, you know, um, you know, turned out to not be bad players, obviously, but at the same time were guys that were not, you know, super highly valued by other programs. So I don't know, it's going to be really interesting to me to see how he goes about trying to, uh, trying to stock the roster. Um, going to be interesting to me also to kind of see, um, you know, who sticks around and who transfers. Um, you know, I know that, uh, you know, it's been reported that both Pollard and, and Skaggs have been put in the portal, um, which is sort of a one foot out the door thing. I, if I were to guess, I would guess Skaggs goes and Pollard stays. Um, but that's, that's, just, that's just sort of my guess. And, and the other thing we got to remember is that they were what 63rd nationally uh, this year. <laughs> yeah. so if, if, if they were 63rd nationally, that puts them what probably about fourth place in the PAC 12 this year. Roughly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'd throw, <laughs> we would throw him a parade. Like uh, yeah. literally there would be a parade down main street. Uh, Cougar country would come back into business and they would chuck cheeseburgers out and everything would be happy. We would, everyone would be thrilled with being the 63rd best team in the country. So 63rd um, is right about the ballpark of Arizona state and Colorado. And the only other two teams in the Pac-12 that that's behind would be Oregon and Washington. So in other words, imagine, so Oregon, Washington, uh, and then in sort of a second tier, you've got Colorado, uh, Arizona State, and USF, and then everybody else. And oh, by the way, in case you didn't know this, uh, Washington State ranked uh, 207th, and have never ranked above... Yeah, yeah. They've never ranked above 186th in Ernie's five years. So how about that? Go Cougs. Go Cougs. I'm just, you know, uh, it's the, the funny thing is, is uh, Smith has coached at an Ivy League school, which is a one big conference. And he's coached at the West Coast Conference at a lower level. Like it's when, when you get out of the St. Mary's 
and and Gonzaga and BYU. It's it's a lot of teams that typically belong in a one bid conference. But he has only since his first three years at Columbia has never had a worse team than any of the other teams that Ernie has had at a Pac-12 school. So it's it I I think. Um, that's encouraging to know that uh, we can probably expect some improvement right away, which in this hor- horrible, horrible conference, which is not going to get any better next year, um, that's uh, pretty encouraging. You know, if they can pop up to like 120, 140, like suddenly you're winning like eight conference games, you know, like it's uh, and 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 then if, if you're just if you can work yourself into a top 100 team. The way the Pac-12 is going right now, you, you're you're you know you're you're in there you're in the mix to get a get a bid to the tournament. You know, a- ASU was in the net rankings and in the Ken Palm rankings was in like the 60s, and they got a bid to the tournament. I think largely on the on the on the reputation, uh, the historical reputation of the Pac-12. So it's or Pac-10, Pac-12. So it's yeah, it, it it's nice to know that like it. It's very unlikely that they're going to get worse, and it's very likely that they're going to get better, just for the fact that the coach is just a so much better coach. Um, the same players being coached by him will be better, um, and he's still. Uh, it, it's nice that uh, Chun uh, turned this around pretty quickly because uh, there's still an opportunity and uh, there's open spots to add guys. Um, that maybe fit him, fit Smith a little better. Yeah, and there will probably be at least a couple guys that go. Like Absolutely. I said, I, I I would not be shocked if Skaggs – in fact, I would be surprised if Skaggs stays. Um, and if that happens, if he goes, then you've got you know at least a couple spots that are just open, and that, that doesn't even account for anybody else who might transfer. So, yeah. You know he'll have a chance to to fill it in. It wouldn't surprise me if they if they did a you know a Dick Bennett type bump you know in the first year. Um, Paul Graham's last year they were 208th, and then Dick Bennett's first year they were 126. They went from two wins to seven wins in the Pac-10, um, seven wins overall to 13 wins overall, just a shade under 500. Um, so you know yeah I mean that's the kind of that's the kind of bump I'd be looking for something like you know six seven eight wins next year. Um, and something like, you know, 13 to 15 wins overall. Um, I think that's that's the sort of bump I'm looking for. It's it's actually kind of alarming how many seniors uh, are on the roster next year, considering how many players I don't know who are on the roster this year. <laughs> it's because they're all right. ju- ju- junior college transfers. Yeah, I could, they, they, four, they, right? I could probably name four players off the top of my head if you if you didn't let me look at, uh, at the internet or anything like that. But now just looking at the roster right now, I'm just seeing junior, 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 or they're all going to be senior, 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 senior next year. So, uh, that, I mean, that's gotta also be attractive to him that, uh, he's probably going to have five or six roster spots yep. open up at yeah. the end of the year too. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's huge. Uh, that's the one thing we can, uh, uh thank Ernie for is that he had did a terrible time, um, bringing in, uh, freshman scholarship players and keeping them. So the roster is full of uh, recent junior college transfers that are ready to leave pretty soon. Uh, so that's that's pretty nice. Um, we we I know Jeff and I we we and Kyle we we've talked about that throughout the season. Like if someone else comes in, that the, the good thing is that he just keeps bringing in his JUCO transfers and they're going to leave. So it's no one's going to be saddled with his shitty players for. Although he's you know there's obviously. Um, 
uh, you know, a couple solid young pieces in there in Ellaby and um, Kuntz uh, definitely is, has potential there. Um, but uh, there's obviously more that needs to be added. So I, what I want to, so we've obviously just heaped on some praise and happiness. I mean, the, the, when you come from the depths of sorrow that we've been in, um, <laughs> I know the three of us are definitely the biggest basketball nerds at Coog Center, and we've all been deeply affected by having shitty basketball. Um, but uh, now suddenly, like, I I want to write something. I want to write something about this. You know, it's it's exciting. Um, I was excited to hop on this podcast, and you know, I grabbed a shit ton of beer, and I was like, let's go. Um, but if there's anything that you might be reticent about, like, is there something you look at what he's doing? Um, yeah, sure, he could, you know, you're thinking immediately, you know, pop up to 120, but... You know, Ken Bone had a bunch of teams in the top 100. Ken Bone uh, didn't really bottom out to the depths of Ernie level until his last year. Um, is there any concern that um, – do, do you think that Kyle Smith is the type of guy that can, you know, take us to the NCAA tournament? I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, that's such a, that's been such a rare – occurrence you know throughout our history and you know so to, to say that this guy can take us there i mean i i really have no idea he hasn't done it yet at any program he's been at um columbia didn't do it and um usf didn't do it so and in fact they uh they had a you know if, if someone wanted to be sort of you know negative about it you could look at the way the year ended i think they lost their last four games and crashed out of the wcc tournament to to pepperdine of all teams to the fight in Lorenzo, Romar, Ken Bone, Curtis Allens. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's sort of like, uh, you know, um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is sort of a, you know, we are just so glad to have anything other than Ernie and definitely things that we like to see philosophically and process wise, but, you know, definitely questions about, you know, what his ceiling is definitely questions about. Um, and I think a lot of that's tied to talent, you know, kind of what I said before about, you know, it's one thing to, to look for an edge when, you know, the teams in your league are real bad. Um, it's another thing to look for an edge when you're in a major conference, you know, and I know that the PAC 12 is, has not been good. Um, but it's not going to stay down forever. And, you know, UCLA is going to go higher, I mean, I guess I'm assuming they're going to hire a good coach, but I guess they could always screw that up. But it's just like, you know, I mean, they're not going to be these teams are not going to be down forever. Um, Washington just keeps adding like four and five star guys, uh, whether through traditional recruiting or transfers. So, you know, it's it's, you know, I mean, this is a thing where, you know, I'm curious to see how it plays out. But, you know, like I said, it's the big thing for me is just seeing that the indicators are there, I think, for what you need to do, whether he can pull it off. You know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, my expectations for WSU basketball have never been super high. So, like, <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing. And, and I mean, and I mean that sincerely and I, and I mean it nicely. Like the first three or four years of, uh, of Ken bone basketball when we were hovering around a hundredth or, you know, there was the one nice year that we had with clay when, uh, we were at the, what the, when we went to the final four of the NIT, but, uh, you know, the other years we were hovering, you know, right around the, you know, the, the hundred spot in Ken Palm, like, yeah, we're Washington state. This is, this is where we're supposed to be. This is actually probably a pretty good year for us. And then we kind of bottomed out and, and things, and things went sour. And then obviously Ken bone needed to go, but I mean, that's always kind of where I've thought we should be. And, and, and when people, 
you know, say that we don't have the facilities to, you know, can compete with the big boys or the charter flights and things like that. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's just try and let's try and make some baby steps here with, uh, with our coaches, uh, while, until we can get some of those things squared away. And so uh, my, my expectations remain very low, but I mean, but that also means, but I'm also very inspired by what I've read, you know, where with the uh, relentless, uh, the relentless pursuit of improvement, it sounds like uh, what their team wants to do, you know, in each and every practice. And that's, that's really what I kind of want to see here over the next year. I absolutely think that he can make a tournament with, uh, with Wazoo. I mean, it's, it, if you keep, uh, if you keep a team hovering around the seventies, eventually they're going to, uh, eventually they're going to break a 35 and, and, uh, and, and make it into the tournament. So I, I don't see any reason why he, uh, why he couldn't do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's not really a lot that that alarms me on this specifically because it it seems like every program that he has run has been with a lot of care and a lot of alarm, and so I, I that that's very that's very reassuring. And it this this uh, this this hire looks like it was taken with a lot of thought. Uh, so no, I I don't think there's anything I should really be upset about here or or worried about. I think I think I we're definitely going to be better. It's just a matter of how much we're going to be better. And, and this is, this has got to be a, uh, a, uh, a long-term, a long-term look at a, an improvement rather than, are we going to be the, into the tournament by 2020 or 2021 or whatever? Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. Cause you know, it, uh, you know, we, we hear, you know, we, we've seen, you know, people say, oh, the roster is ready for, you know, even Chun says the roster could be better. Obviously, the roster could have been with the current roster with Frank, or with the roster last year with Franks and, and Ellaby and stuff. Like, I think a better coach could have taken them, you know, to at least be, a, a you know, a hell of a lot better than they were, you know, not 207th on Ken Palm or whatever. But and, and so, you know, that's the encouraging part. Um, yeah, that's that's why we're so excited. You know, that this. Yeah, that's what we wanted. We wanted something different. We wanted some someone who's money balling it up, and 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 he's doing that. Um, he's recruiting from weird places. He's taking a like a, an odd approach from a lot of coaches. And I and I'm and I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited to see some like strict man-to-man defense and 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 all of that. And and I you know I I I just uh, I'm I'm really looking forward now to basketball. And that begs the question: Do do you think this hire? Um, I I I just I have a like I have a I have this kind of feeling that um, Pat Chun may have said Clay, will you? Uh, <laughs> Will you say something about Kyle Smith so that people know who the hell he is? Because, like, because do you think this hire will bring excitement and and attendance and support back for WSE basketball immediately, or will it take some wins? Or what are we thinking? No, I don't think it brings anything back immediately. Um, I, I think the only thing that would, you know, what I'm not even I'm not even gonna say that. I, I'm not sure there's anything. That could that could bring excitement back immediately. Um, you know, basketball is not football, and so you know when you go hire a Mike Leach and everybody you know loses their shit and you know it's like he's excited about that. You know, that's you know football is just a different beast. I, I don't know that our fan base. I think our fan base cares about basketball in the sense that they want it to not be embarrassing, which I think is a pretty reasonable expectation. 
Um, but you know, I, I don't know that anybody pays that close of attention. I mean, if we just go on like just sort of this very simple metric, like when, um, I remember when Mike Leach was hired, the kind of traffic we did on the website when it was like, Oh my God, we got Mike Leach. And, um, I mean, we basically sort of blew up the network. Like it was like, we, we were so many people were flocking to the site because we hired Mike Leach. Um, you know, there's some, I mean, there, there's a lot of traffic tonight, you know, relatively speaking, but at the same time, you know, it's nothing near what you, what we saw for that. You know, so I just like, I think part of that is, you know, it's a guy nobody's ever heard of, but I think part of that also is just that, you know, with basketball, I think a lot of times fans are just sort of like, well, you know, show me, you know, give me something interesting to look at. And, and honestly, I feel like that sort of was the, you know, the, the biggest sin with, you know, bone and Ernie both, um, you know, the, yeah, the losing is terrible or whatever, but you know, the one thing you absolutely cannot be in basketball is, you know, for a fan base, that's not, that, that's definitely basketball second behind football. You can't be uninteresting. You, you gotta be interesting in some way. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give the fans something to hang their hat on, something to be excited about. Um, and, and I don't think that happens until, um, you know, you, you, until you show them something, you know, basketball is very much, I think for our fans, a show me sport, you know, if you show me something, then yeah, then I'll be excited. And, and I really, I mean, look, it's not like we were, you know, we hired Dick fricking Bennett and it's not like all of a sudden Beasley was being sold out. You know, I mean, Dick Bennett was only, you know, however many years removed from a final four appearance, you know? So, I mean, you hired a guy like that and you know, the, the place wasn't really packed. I mean, Craig, you were a student at that time. Place wasn't really packed out until, you know, they beat Gonzaga in Tony's first year. And all of a sudden everybody starts losing their shit and realizes like, hey, wait a minute, we might, you know, really be good. You know, that's when the thing turned the corner. So it's a very long answer just to say, you know, I don't think this is going to change, move the needle much. Um, beginning of the year now, if they come out, they look good, they beat a bunch of teams, uh, maybe they pick up a win. I mean, obviously we don't know what their schedule looks like next year because they they put together these, um, they're not they're non covered schedules in the off season. But you know, if they come out and you know maybe get a decent win and and uh, you know don't suffer any embarrassing losses, you know people you know people might start to pay attention a little bit. If we go by uh, the number of tickets sold in the Sherwood household over the last four years and then compare it to the number of tickets that will probably be sold next year in the Sherwood household and extrapolate that over the entire fan base, we will likely sell around four million more tickets. <laughs> so that is the uh, that is the metric I'm going to hold Pat Chun to and uh, and anything less will be a failure. Yes, please. Uh, we are we are moving all of the games to uh, CenturyLink Field, and we will be selling sixty-eight thousand. Well, actually, if you put a basketball court in there, you could probably sell eighty thousand seats, yeah. and we're going to sell it out every game. But yeah, I honestly, uh, on that point, Kyle, like for me, I'm thinking. I mean, for the calf ranking too, but I've just I've I, just to show, just kind of show a support that I approve of this hire. I'm, I'm already thinking I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy season tickets for the basketball team, even if I only go to a couple games, but just to, you know, just as I, like, I believe in this hire and, and I want to support it. Um, I have a certain donation level I'm at. So me like adding a donation, is just going to get me to that point anyway. So, but I think like, you know, buying basketball tickets are, is a good way to, 
to show support and I'm definitely going to do that. And so between me and Kyle, like obviously millions more tickets will be sold. Uh, literally millions. Exp- literally, literally millions. <laughs> anything um, less that, is a failure, Pat. Anything less. If we, uh, if there are not, if there are not 5 million or if there are not four, well, actually to say, if there are not 4 million basketball tickets sold next year, we hold you personally accountable. Pat Chun. Yeah. And we will demand your resignation. But uh, seriously, though, like with, with Pat Chun, like like how I mean, obviously, without knowing much about the details of this, I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty impressed. I, I mean, this is a guy who who has been available since Ernie was fired. Um, so obviously he did some kind of due diligence to, to land at this point. Um, I don't know. Kook Van reported that they were using a search firm. I have no idea how much truth there is to that, but, um, you know, to, to take, you know, almost two weeks, which, um, you know, is not a super long time. So it's, it's, but it's also not a super quick turnaround. You know I mean? It's, these things can, you know, drag on and on, especially if you're, you know, waiting out and holding out hope for somebody's in the tournament. I know a guy who, you know, I was advocating for was Russell Turner, um, uh, from UC Irvine. Um, but you know, it's just like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm pretty impressed with how the process went down, you know, really no names leaked out, um, landed on a guy who I think, you know, really checks off all the boxes of what he said he was looking for. And, you know, obviously I, I think part of that depends on the salary. So once, once we find out how much he's being paid, you know, I mean, if he's making 2 million bucks, I think I'm probably going to be less impressed, but um, but at the same time, uh, you know, just sort of the process seems like, you know, about right. It took about two weeks to find the guy, found a guy who checked all the boxes you said publicly you wanted. Um, I don't know, like that. I I mean, obviously, it's sort of a results based thing in the end, you know, depending on how it turns out. But, you know, the process to me seemed uh, seemed to be a pretty good one. So, yeah, if you look at the the timeline of when Ken Bone was hired or and fired. So uh, he was introduced to WSU on April 8th, uh, which would be a, you know, what roughly 10 days from now. Right. Or what, what day is it? I don't even fucking know what day it is. That's like, close enough. I just need to know which day of the week it is. That's the only thing that it's matters Tuesday. to me. And thank you. Well, I obviously I knew that. I <laughs> um, but then he was fired on March 18th. So, uh, and then, when was Ernie hired? Uh, one man search committee. I think it was about uh, three. There was about didn't it take uh, three a few weeks. weeks. Yeah, so he was hired right before the final four. Yeah, it took I remember about three this. weeks. Yeah, yeah that's. So, oh yeah, so March. Oh, I, uh, March thirty first. Uh, yeah, so that would be a couple of days before the final four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I do remember we we did have a lot more time. I feel like to ponder about. Uh, basketball coaches, but I guess it was about the same amount of time. Not uh, only did we have time to ponder, but we all just knew it was Ernie. So all we kept doing was like throwing out any no, name we could possibly. Like, no, I'll just say this, Kyle, you were the one who knew it was Ernie. Like, okay. So like to pull back the curtain for just a sec on, on like our Coug center Slack chats, like 
Craig and I, and, and pretty much everybody else, we were like, well, you know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, you know, maybe it's Leon Rice, right? Leon Rice was the guy we all wanted, you know, all this stuff. And you kept saying over and over and over, it's Ernie. It's going to be Ernie. It's going to be Ernie. And every time something came up, you're like, ah, it'll probably be Ernie. So go ahead and gloat for a moment about how we all knew, you all, you knew it was going to be Ernie. I didn't want Ernie any more than any of the rest of you. There's no gloating to do. The no, only no, no. gloating I will do is, is, is along with the two of you that we knew that that was a disaster from the moment it happened. And Moose yes. was, Moose was uh, riding high off of the leech hire and just did whatever he wanted to do. We knew from what January that he was going to hire Ernie. He, doesn't have any in, he didn't have any interest in doing anything else and it uh and it made it even worse when we found out how much ernie was getting paid and we realized oh wow we could have legitimately bought 50 other coaches with that amount of money uh so it was the laziest hire in the history of college sports i'm gonna put it out there i'm i'm, I'm gonna be that uh I'm gonna, I'm gonna be that uh overdramatic about it um i but uh no i i will not I, i'm just happy it's over it's it, it was it, it was awful. And, uh, but uh, to add, to, I mean, to just, to just counterbalance that, I mean, uh, Chun knew that he's not going to, he's not going to hire a football coach uh, when he's at Washington state university. So this is probably his highest profile hire that he's going to have while he's here. And it, I mean, and the way that his trajectory is going, he's probably not long for Washington state university. So this is, this is his chance to, uh, to make, to make a difference uh, on one of uh, the revenue sports. And it's, it seems very deliberate how he was able to kind of uh, play against pretty much every trope that we've ever thought that we were going to have with Washington State University. Like, nobody thought that we were going to uh, fire Ernie this year. And then uh, when we found out that we fired Ernie, nobody thought that we were going to pay him the entire amount of money that he was owed. And then uh, and then when we found out, and then, and then uh, now, like, he more or less, you know, the amount of time that it's taken him to find his coach, it, it pretty much seems like, he got his first choice, and he wasn't being strung along by Leon Leon Rice before uh, we finally settled on uh, a guy who'd been out of coaching for five years. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've just been so impressed by everything that he's done here over the last year and, and how much better the athletic department has been run over the last year in uh, on every level. And uh, so when it came time to uh, – hire a coach like I, I had every every confidence in the world that he was going to uh, get the guy that he wanted and it sounds like this is the guy he wanted and after reading about him I'm I'm super excited for Cougar basketball I, I, I just wanted to add that Kyle mostly should brag about that failure to launch meme yeah that, that too that our Facebook readers and many of our website commenters did not like we took I, so much shit for that we I took so hilarious. much shit for that. I feel, it, that that was kind of a wake up moment for me. I was like, wait, other people think this is better than we do. Like, and, <laughs> and I don't want to elite eights. He, he I, went to two elite eights. I, I don't want to gloat too much about how much smarter we are than all of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we we like we if, called it. If you could, if you could see, like, it's not even what we wrote on the website, and not even the failure to launch thing. That was definitely like we all thought it was funny because we, that's we're like, yeah, that makes sense. But like, we would just, we were just like, this is a fucking disaster. Especially when it was like, one point four million five year rollover contract, fucking. He got a rollover after going one and seventeen in conference. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, yes the first, did. yeah. Oh my god, and. We don't know about Kyle Smith's contract, whatever, but I mean, it's probably going to be 
roughly similar. I, I actually he's never been to a tournament or anything, so I don't know how much we have to pay him. Um, but this is like, fuck, man, this is exactly the goddamn type of hire that I wanted. Like, it, this is this is amazing. Like, I'm I've almost finished this eleven percent imperial <laughs> period right now, so I'm getting like really fired up now. <laughs> That's why, like, I, I hadn't even thought about renewing my season tickets, and then, like, in the middle of Kyle talking about that, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm, I'm, or I'm just getting basketball season tickets now. And honestly, if if we could buy basketball season tickets for next year right now, which you can't, I would definitely, I'd be, like, on there right now, credit card out, like, let's fucking do it, let's do this. But come on, Sean, like, make it available. You'd have yeah, one. We're gonna, he's going to have to figure that out between now and the announcement. Yeah, seriously, like make it available. Like, and any, remember we had the basketball fund to try to keep Tony. Oh my God. Fucking collected a million bucks in like no time. Like, just so we could fly some charter jets and give Tony a little extra money. We were paying Tony like a million bucks by the end, by the way. And Paul Wolf at the time, or or, or built what, uh, yeah, Paul Wolf at the time was making 600,000. Yeah. And our best yes, was our first million dollar coach. Tony was our first million dollar coach. Not even Mike Price. Not, yeah. Not even the guy who took us to two Rose Bowls. Tony Bennett. No. Tony Bennett of but yeah, I think that shows team. that if we have success, WSU can absolutely be a basketball school if we have success. Like people will go apeshit over it. And 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 Beasley, when the team is going good, is an insanely awesome place. And I just hope that we even just get it to the point where, like, because even the crowds when uh, Bone had him in the uh, CBI were pretty damn good and people were fired up. So, like, just give us anything that, that is relevant in any sort of way. And, and like, people will latch on. And there's, like, the students want to go to the games if they're going to be fun. Like, the, and, and then the atmosphere right. is there. And then... If we know the atmosphere is going to be fun, that's going to make other people want to go more. So it's just, you know, I'm I'm, I'm hoping that this is as, as as exciting as it is right now. I'm I'm hoping all this shit, you know, because I'm I'm thinking how much. Uh, well, it's pretty like so. I remember when I know would I know you and Je- Jeff and I we were just when, when uh, Brad Stevens was at Butler. Just mm. massive crush on Brad Stevens. Mm. Like, oh my God, this is unhealthy. Unhealthy. And I'm so. Um, I'm an Indiana fan, so I don't really care for Butler. <laughs> we, we always kind of hoped that Butler, or we always hoped that Stevens would eventually find his way to IU and then he went to the Celtics. So, you know, he might. Mean? Yeah, he's I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, they, they still might think he, he might still come back. They're, no, yeah, I mean, that's, that's great still. In Boston these days. Like a, if I was him, I would get the fuck out of the NBA. It's still very much a meme. We're tied up with RFC right now, but yeah, that that is still very much a thing that uh, that everyone thinks that Stevens is coming home, even though IU is not home. But anyway, I'm sorry. Brad Stevens. Close enough. <laughs> right, well, no. Anyway, so when I was at uh, my last job, um, I remember uh, right when I got hired, there was this picture of Brad Stevens like collapsing to the ground and like screaming. And I that was my uh, that that was my short-lived Twitter avatar because it was just like my most favorite picture ever. <laughs> and and my uh, I remember my new boss was like, so um, I don't think you should have like a 
random basketball coach as you're screaming into the oblivion as your Twitter avatar. And I'm like, that was so sad. I was like, I want this to be my Twitter avatar forever. And I don't even, I don't even know if I could find the picture again, but it was like hilarious. Cause I had just like, I remember when it was during, uh, it was during or, or after one of their uh, final four runs and, and he talked to me, there was this article about him, after every game, he opens up his laptop and goes to KenPom.com. And I would just be like, oh, my God. That's so amazing. But I'm going to say, like, right now, um, you can absolutely expect us to write more about basketball next year. Because if, that just just knowing that the coach is using analytics, like, knows that what I'm writing about is is, like, relevant and... Like, with Ernie, there was, like, what do you read about? Like, he runs a fucking, like, there's no discernible offense. There's no discernible defensive philosophy. Um, it, it was just a nightmare. But here, it's just going to be like, this is what we do. Like, this is what we do. And even if it's not a specific style on the court, analytics is what we do. And honestly, as as a nerd like I am and, and uh and we all are and it's just that's just fucking amazing like it's so great like i'm so excited i and it, the funny thing is like i i wasn't even thinking about Kyle Smith because i wasn't thinking it would be a guy that they would go after like jeff like w- was Kyle Smith on your mind well he was a guy who came up on a lot of lists um and so i know like when when you know when we wrote our you know search firm thing just you know very tongue-in-cheek but um you know he was a guy whose name came up and we didn't write about him because i think we were sort of trying to focus on you know kind of off the radar type guys or or guys who made a lot of sense i mean russell turner was a guy who was you know very much on the radar but you know made a lot of sense for the reasons that you know pat chun said you know kyle smith wasn't a guy who who sort of jumped off the page immediately to me um you know obviously i'd seen his name you hadn't really looked too closely at him. And in fact, um, you know, when he was hired, my first thought was, eh, okay, I guess, you know, just my, my first thought was, you know, this is really underwhelming and not, not that I expected to be, you know, overwhelmed, you know, by, by the guy who was eventually hired, but this was one where I kind of thought, okay, you know, all right, that's fine. You know, he, he got some, you know, moderate success in San Francisco. That's nice, you know, whatever. And, and then again, you know, the more I dug into it, the more I was just like, oh, all right. Okay, cool. Like, okay. And then, you know, we, we keep talking about that athletic article, but you know, that, that is sort of the thing where you go, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it all of a sudden starts to make a lot more sense. So, you know, yeah, I mean, he was on the radar in the sense that, you know, his name had sort of been thrown out there in the, you know, particularly from the national guys. Cause you know, I mean, they follow the same kind of formula, you know, they look for, okay, who's been, who's worked in a mid major, who's reasonably successful in the region, you know, and so guys like him and, um, you know, the other Smith, I'm, I'm totally blanking on his name, but you know, out Craig, of Utah, Craig, Craig Smith, Craig Smith. Yes, Craig Smith, Craig, how could I forget? Yeah, Craig. thank you. Come on. Oh, it's terrible. I feel I'm ashamed now. Uh, you know, so Craig Smith at Utah State, you know, they just they just start throwing out names of, you know, guys who were successful at mid majors. And I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, with 
you know, Leon Rice, we did the same thing five years ago. So, you know, I mean, that that's kind of the, the tried and true formula. So I didn't really pay a ton of attention to it. And I didn't really look that closely at Kyle Smith because, like I said, I was kind of, you know, just for my own, you know, shits and giggles, I was like, you know, I'm going to look for guys who are maybe off the beaten path, something, you know, kind of fun to write about that's it's different. Um, you know, so sort of, again, pulling back the curtain a little bit, you know, Craig and I write about things that we enjoy writing about. <laughs> so we're, we're going to write about things when it's like, yeah, this is interesting to us. So for me, it was interesting to say, okay, you know, who are some names that I could maybe pull out that, you know, might be a little bit different. Um, well, let me, let me qualify so, that. Yeah. Uh, Kyle and I write whenever we feel like it. <laughs> Jeff does a lot of the dirty work okay, where he's just like, I feel like I have to write about this. Uh, <laughs> Sherwood, and I, Sherwood and I are just like, we're almost emeritus at this point. But, but like, we're just like, but now I'm like, you've, you've drawn me back in, Pat. Chud. You've drawn me back in. I, I might have to make time for this now. But this is all like so much better when it's interesting, right? Like that's like ultimately that's what it's all about. And that's why we do what we do. I mean, we're not none of us is getting rich here. So, you know, we like doing things Wait, that are Jeff, interesting. you're not getting rich? No, I'm not. Oh, he hasn't been coming to the rich guy meetings. I, oh my god. Shit. Did I did I miss my invitation to actually throw it away with the junk mail? Yeah. Yeah, we we I mean sent it to oh. the wrong Skype. I mean the the last the last Kook Center get together was on a yacht. I didn't on Kyle's yacht. Yeah, it was either my yacht or Kyle's. Wait, yacht. Kyle has a yacht. Well, the, I, oh, a nice. yacht I made uh, I, I bought specifically through uh, paying through uh, with clicks. So yes, <laughs> I don't have that many clicks. So yeah. those are some yeah. expensive ass clips. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to all who, when you click on the link, you pay us five hundred dollars. I. I don't know why you do that, um, but I appreciate it. Um, and thank you for directing it to Kyle and I. Um, sorry, Jeff. I don't know. But anyways, what what were you saying about not, not, not getting rich after this? Yes. I don't even remember. I just just basically saying like this is a lot more fun when it's interesting, and you know the things are about to get interesting again, and and that's you know I feel about this now in a way that I never felt about Ernie. Um, even though Kyle Smith wasn't a guy who was on my radar, um, you know, it's a guy who the deeper I look into him, the more I'm like, yeah, I can buy this. I can get into this. I, you know, and again, who knows if it works out? I mean, nobody does, but you know, you, you try to make decisions based on process and I'm impressed that, you know, Pat Chen seems to have made a decision based on process and, you know, Kyle Smith has a very stated process that I can get behind. And, uh, and kind of like you said, you know, when you can latch on to something stylistically, um, you know, that makes it a lot more interesting to watch and a lot more interesting to write about. You know, it's kind of like what we did with Mike Leach, right? You know, like the air raid is a very defined, um, very easy, easy is not, maybe not the right word, but, but if you know what you're looking for, you can see it. Right. And so, you know, that, that does make it to some degree a little more, um, a little, a little easier to write about. And I think Kyle Smith could be like that, you know, now that we can say, okay, this is what we do. And it's the same thing with the Bennett's, you know, I mean, there became an identity there where people came to the games knowing, Hey, we're going to play lockdown defense. I mean, I mean, Craig, you were in the house for a lot of those games. I mean, Kyle and I are a little older, but you were in the house for a lot of those games where, you know, I mean, there was almost nothing as loud as when the defense would get the shot clock down to the last, you know, five, six, seven seconds. And the place just starts going bananas, right? Because the other team can't even figure out how to get off a shot. You know, you give the, you give fans something to latch on to, and they'll latch onto it if you have some success. 
I will say this. I've, I've been to uh, a handful of the arenas in, in the Big Ten. I've been to Kentucky. I've been to uh, oh, where else have I been? I've been to South Carolina. Uh, I've I've never seen anything like those two years that Tony was really good, the WSU student section. I've never seen anything that intimidating in any arena I've ever been to. And so, I mean, I, and, and I mean that, I mean that sincerely. I don't mean that because it's a team that I root for. I mean, there's, there's something to be said about 5,000 students standing right on top of you. And so I, if you can recreate that, which I mean, you've only been able to do once or twice, I, it's, it's something special that, uh, that, that, that can absolutely work in your favor. I, I mean, like you, like you said, I mean, I went to school in the, uh, in the, in the Paul Graham era. I'm pretty sure I went to maybe three games in the four years I was there. So, so I, I did not uh, fall in love with Cougar basketball when I was in school. I, I, I fell in love with it, watching how the students reacted in those, in those few, in those few Tony years. And, uh, and I think that's what uh, Chun, Chun kind of pinged lip service to that too, is that, uh, is that you know right now there's no students that really care about stu- about uh, Cougar basketball and they're gonna they're going to graduate without caring about student without without caring about Cougar basketball if they don't do something about that so I think that uh, th- this this might be a very fun experiment to see if if they can uh, I mean you don't I don't even think you need to be a top 15 team to recreate what they did it's just if you can if you can uh, convince you know 5,000 students to show up you're gonna you're gonna make a very scary you're going to make for a very scary arena. They yeah, should. yeah. Yeah, and I, obviously I I was there. My senior year was uh, Tony's first year, and then uh, my second senior year when I was student teaching was my. Uh, so I still had a student pass. So I went to a few games, but not a lot. But it it was just so I remember my um, sophomore year they started the zoo crew. And I was like, this is so st-. like I signed up for it, but I was like, this is so stupid, like. There's no one in this arena. No one's gonna care. Like the like, no one's gonna sign up for this. Like this is kind of silly. I signed up because like, you could win prizes for going to the games, and I want a fucking trip to the Pac-10 tournament. So that was pretty great. Um, but uh, which uh, yeah, I guess I could talk about. But it was pretty awesome. Uh, there was 17 of us that qualified. You had to go to a certain number of games. Uh, you had to go to a certain number of women's games as well. Um, so uh, I would, uh, on my work breaks, uh, run to the stadium and scan my card and then go back to work <laughs> so I could get the points. Um, but yeah, so I, um, I suppose the statute of limitations have expired since uh, you were in college. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't take the trip away from me. Yeah. I already went on it. Um, <laughs> Suck it, nerds. <laughs> Suck it, nerds. But yeah, so, uh, but yeah, but I remember my, my sophomore years when they started the zoo crew and, uh, and it was, uh, Bennett's second year or dick bennett's second year and it was just like no one gives a fuck about basketball here like i, I my freshman year uh was uh when they blew that lead late to stanford and that definitely wasn't a five second violation so fuck you ref but anyway so but uh um i wrote i hate stanford after that game on my um for some reason in the dorms, you have little whiteboards on the wall for people to leave you messages, I guess. I wrote it on there, and it just stayed on there. The rest is, like, I had that whiteboard for years, and I just left I Hate Stanford on there for years. But, but yeah, that there was a good crowd for that. I remember that being actually uh, difficult. Like, you had to, you if you didn't get there, like, early, you had to... Um, 
like sit off to the side or whatever. And, uh, but by the time my, uh, my senior year, uh, I was Gonzaga was the first sellout and it was honestly, it was like 3000 Zag fans and 7,000 Coug fans or whatever. Um, but it was like one of the coolest atmospheres I've ever been in because like all the Zag fans and all the Coug fans who are probably secretly Zag fans and like, we're just like, Oh my God, we're going to beat Gonzaga. This is crazy. Cause I love Gonzaga. But, um, so that was one of the best atmospheres. And then the UW game that year, they actually had to turn student. They turned like thousands of students away. So many students wanted to get into that game. And, and it was, it was just a crazy atmosphere. And so that's definitely like, it doesn't take it. That was halfway through a good season. It doesn't take that much. Like, cause that was in January. So WSU at that point was, you know, doing well but it was it was it was only midway through the season and and uh, there was no guarantee of them actually being good like I, I think with wsu in any program you're always like eh, this could all fall apart at any moment uh but but man it was just crazy you know by my senior year at the ucla game we camped out overnight like to to go to a basketball game on a thursday and that was so crazy and like so like we we i remember playing uh modded um we played uh for any of my friends that may be listening that were in that or anybody that was in this line we played we someone had an n64 and it was modded to play sports jeopardy from the um super nintendo so we played like sports jeopardy for hours in line like it was crazy like people would line up for basketball games overnight like could you like now i like this year, I could imagine you could show up five minutes after tip off and have a front row seat. Like it's so if if there's any modicum of success, sounds like college. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if there's any motive. <laughs> yes, that emulates um uh, the the uh, the the experience for any other part of college as well. Uh, but yeah, if there's any any success at all, like uh, the students will come, and that's obviously doesn't drive revenue. But it, but it makes it fun. Like it may, even when you're watching it on TV, um, you notice this year that like the students didn't give a fuck, and they kind of gave a fuck at that UW game, and we're like, this kind of seems a little better. Yeah, because they won, they won a couple games in a row, and then uh, yeah, UW came to town and we got smashed. It literally but, took two wins for students, and then UW being there for the students to give a shit. So in basketball, like you can swing the pendulum pretty quickly. I would say that students do uh, swing the pendulum, or they do drive revenue eventually. Because I mean, I I I remember going to games in the Bone era, like I think during that that clay that clay season uh, where we went to the NIT. I went there specifically because I wanted to see what the students were doing, <laughs> and uh, I remember going to three or four games just because I I remember watching them on television, uh, and I remember the the arena being pretty loud despite there not being a whole lot of people in the uh, high dollar seats. So I was trying to figure out how many people were actually in the arena. And so I think there, there, there are. I, I do think when you have a, a loud arena on television, that it does make people want to uh, be a part of that, and uh, and it's infectious. I, I, I think if if he can win the students, if Kyle Smith can win the students over quickly, I think that this could this could get fun very quickly. We might not be good quickly, but we might be fun quickly. Yeah, and I and I think it also there's a point of the if the the if you get the, get him when they're students. Uh, there's a lot of people from my um, age that are 
probably super stoked right now. And those people that would be like, we have to hire a, you know, Ben Johnson or uh, or uh, Rick Sanchez or whatever. Ron Sanchez, sorry, not Rick Sanchez. Uh, that's Rick and Morty. Well, what's, um, well, what's Rick Sanchez <laughs> doing? Let's give him a call. <laughs> Maybe. What is, does he have any? Does he Kyle, have any to Australia? Kyle, what? Where the fuck was Chun? Look, why didn't you look at Hambone, man? Like, I know that would have been great if we had hired Hambone. We could have gotten a uh, we could have gotten a e-cigarette deal or a, what do they call vaping? Be vaping on the sideline. Giant mustache. Mustaches are huge in Pullman right now. I've heard. Listeners to the podcast who don't know what they're talking about, just do a quick Google search of Coog Center Hambone. You'll find it. It's not. Definitely. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's but not also, even worth but also it's, it's, it's the peak of both sherwood and mine's uh careers at kook center yeah so. it was definitely downhill from there <laughs> although did uh did all the uh the what the hell is a series that that came after that right probably yeah yeah that was definitely the peak well that's that's why they kept losing kyle that's right <laughs> you guys Fault, made Fault. those <laughs> How dare you make fun yeah, of the we, other we de- team? We definitely took shit for that, just like we took shit about uh, making fun of the Ernie hire. But who was right about that, bitches? We were right. It's all right. The Kook Center Twitter account is taking shit because um, we are making because we don't like Gonzaga. I don't. I, I. I'm sorry if you like a team and someone else doesn't like them. I know it's really hard for you to deal with. It's a hard concept. Like it's a really hard concept. I I know it's just rough that not everyone likes the thing that you like, but um, fucking Zaga, and yeah. hopefully, you Fuck know, Mark hopefully, Fee. hopefully, um, Kyle Smith makes WSU good enough that Mark Few will play, want to play us, and then we'll be like, no, no, I want to beat their we need asses. better teams. That's what I want. No, yeah, no, actually, yeah. But yeah, that would be great to play them again and beat them. Uh, those were actually really fun too. Those like few years that the games were close and and relevant. Um, that was a fun uh, rivalry, and I just want fun basketball again. And I hope honestly it'll be fun for me just knowing that there's a nerd on the sideline and like so. If, let me let me read this quote that uh, Michael Preston used in an article. He, he quoted it from the um, athletic article. Uh, Randy Bennett and Kyle Smith. This is when Smith was at St. Mary's with uh, Randy Bennett. Formulated their own system, which Bennett took to St. Mary's in 2001 with Smith as his top lieutenant, inheriting the no-name program off a 2-27 season. Can you imagine St. Mary's going 2-27? That's so crazy, like, thinking of what they are now. They felt free to experiment. They drank Ken Pomeroy's sight from a fire hose. I they dogged. They dog-eared pages of Moneyball. Like, that's fucking cool, man. Drank Ken Pomeroy's sight from a fire hose. Yeah. Like, this is our guy. This is Are what, we, what do you, are we what the do you, unofficial you, presidents of the Kyle Smith fan club now? Yes. And what do you think that Ernie Kent drank from a fire hose? Oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> Kyle, you're the jokes. What did Ernie Kent drink? We lost Kyle. No comment. No I, comment. I think is the thing on there. Uh, yeah, we lost Kyle. Um, yeah, he's he's on here, but uh, <laughs> no, we lost him. He's gone. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> he's like, screw you guys. I'm not he telling might, any more jokes. It's time to end this thing. He might come back. Um, I, I I honestly don't. Oh, there he's back. There's Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> This is a high quality podcast. So Jeff and I spent money on nice microphones, but you just can't you you can't beat the quality of of Microsoft Skype product. Um Yeah, so uh Kyle's going to fuck with his audio here to get it working again. But um Let's see where are we at. I don't know. I don't know how much time's left because we were talking so long before the podcast started. It's, but... pr- it's probably time to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we're not gonna. We this was just about the coach. It's it's fine. That's all you wanted. If we'll talk about other things. Another. We'll talk time. about other things next week. I don't know. I mean, maybe... we spared everybody from talking about the Mueller report. We could have well, done that. Yeah, we were probably gonna do that, but then stuff happened, so we'll probably not ever talk about it. So. Sorry. We'll probably talk about okay, it. Okay, fine. We'll talk it's, about it. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. But but anyways, so um, just I I just a teaser, a little a little teaser. I don't want to give anything away because we probably shouldn't yet. But just if you're heading to Pullman for the spring game, keep keep your morning open. Keep around yeah. 10 a.m. open. Yeah. Um, keep around 10 a.m. open. Um, hopefully by next week we'll have an announcement to make, but, uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be something I didn't even imagine, uh, doing when we started this. Uh, but, uh, yeah, keep 10 a.m. open on Saturday of the spring game. Um, you won't regret it or maybe you well, will. you might regret it, but just, yeah, you probably will regret it. You'll probably regret it. Yeah. Um, there's probably going to be beer involved, so you probably won't regret it. There will but, definitely be beer involved. But um, so um, please, if you like this, uh, please go to um, and like, uh, give us a five star rating on whatever thing that you listen to it on. Um, if you have any questions, comments, whatever, uh, send them to us at podcast versus everyone at gmail.com. Um, I see Kyle. We see Kyle's face. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Yeah. So I'm oh, he's got, with my desktop. So I'm he's got, with my phone. He's got AirPods in. He's so he's looking AirPods really cool. in. Yeah. Man, we are on it. I bought that with uh, with all my Kick Center money. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. Because there's no way you did that. The yacht was cheaper than the AirPods. I know. Might have been. But yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, listen to Kyle's other podcast when football season comes. Yeah, Cougar Football Saturday. <laughs> if we ever get around to it, yeah, we we don't really uh, get into the uh, the intricacies of Mike Leach football as much as we talk about uh, uh, beer and farting and uh, tailgating. But uh, it, it's a fun listen. Uh, and cereal. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do distinctly remember the one episode about cereal. Yeah, we talk about cereal mascots a lot. Um, we, we 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 really like to figure out who would win fights between like Count Chocula and Booberry and, and you know, guys like that. So don't but, pretend uh, that's not a worthy endeavor. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so me and me and uh, Blackie and Gabe and Jeff, we we have a we have a great time. So please please uh, download the Cougar Football Saturday Saturday Cast. We'll likely have something up for Spring Ball that will have nothing to do with Spring Ball. It'll be fun. 
Spring ball is stupid. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I it takes a long time to drive to Pullman. That's why it doesn't like the more WSU podcasts, the better. Hey, um, it's it's like a golden stuff. age of WSU podcasts right now. I mean, we'll all probably get bored and quit all at the same time, so it'll be fun. That might be true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this. We'll just, uh, as each are dying, we'll be guest hosts on each of the uh, podcasts. Yeah, we're, all, we're, all just, we're all just being sa- slowly pulled into uh, to Preston's universe here eventually. So <laughs> he's just going to all make us part of his network. Eventually, the Kook Center Hour is 14 people. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, just the world's most disgusting conference call. It's, it's, it's basically like the CBS... Uh, NB or the CVS NFL morning show, but in podcast form, so way worse. <laughs> Who the fuck is talking? <laughs> a hard stop here at uh, at one thirty. So if we could uh, we could wrap up the podcast. There yeah. we go. I I think it's good. Yeah, I already uh, told you. Well, that was to, a joke. Uh, I didn't say we'd have to. Wrap no, no, we, <laughs> dude, dude, we were wrapping it up while you were. No, it's uh, time to uh, wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, um yeah, just uh follow us, like us, do all that fun stuff. Uh we tweet us at pod versus everyone. Um tweet Kyle at Big Wood WSU. Is that that's what yours is, right? I'm at both uh, Big Wood WSU send all complaints to Coach Grinch OSU. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's Kyle's that's Kyle's burner account. That, that's my burner account. Please uh <laughs> please direct all complaints there. Uh, all right thanks everyone for listening kyle thank you yeah joining our podcast it's been a pleasure guys am i the first guest you are oh man that's, they will uh, never that, take that away from you that is depressing for you guys but uh, and we will never live it down but i'm honored for it so uh, i'm glad i'm glad I, i'm glad i could be here for all the shit that just went down all right well we can all uh the three of us or actually kyle are you you're, you're are you making it over to Pullman for the spring game or no? Oh, uh, we're gonna try. Work is a bitch right now, so we'll we'll figure it out. Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll all be there to uh, to celebrate this basketball hire in Pullman, and if not, um, we'll celebrate in in uh, in September. So uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks again to Kyle Sherwood for joining us. Thanks Jeff, and goodbye. Goodbye, go Cougs. Go Cougs. <laughs>